Good morning. Welcome. Good to see each of you here. I want to begin with a few announcements, but after, before I even do that, I want to just tell you how proud I am of you last Sunday night. Uh, everyone who came out for the Ellen birthday celebration, uh, I was never more proud to be your minister than I was last Sunday night. The uh, overwhelming uh, response. You know, that little girl over in Africa, little Ellen, she doesn't know it yet, but her life was changed uh, Sunday night by our effort. And I, I also want to just take a moment to say uh, to Katie and Paige what outstanding work they did in getting that together for our church. And um, I hope you were as proud of them and our effort as I was. I hope, I hope you were. Confirmation class today at 4.30. Don't forget now you got a break after this one. Two Sundays, Palm Sunday and Easter. So I really need you there today at 4.30 here at the church. The usual time. The administrative council uh, meeting is not today. It's next week. Next week at 4 o'clock in the usual time. Coming up, Easter egg hunt, April the 4th at 2.30. Just a reminder about that. This is library day, uh, you children out there. So pay attention and watch for Miss Beth. And um, let's see. I believe that's all the regular announcements I have. Okay, and Mr. Pinkerman, if you'd stand up, just in case somebody don't know that you've got a new face up here. Mr. Lauren Pinkerman, is, uh, this is his first Sunday as our new director of traditional worship music. And uh, his wife, Pat, is here somewhere. Where's she at? Wave your hand. There you go. And we're happy to have you both to start with us here at Memorial. We're looking forward to it. And I already were, was listening to the uh, little rehearsal they do before they come in here. And wow, that's all I can say. Welcome. Let's welcome Mr. Pinker. Let us begin our worship.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Everlasting God, because of your tender mercy toward all people, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross, that all should follow the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated let our children come forward for children's time you all can understand me. I've got quite a cold. What happened Friday? Anything special? What? Did you know it was the first day of spring? I've been waiting for that a long time because I've had this cold quite a while and the doctor keeps telling me when the weather gets better you'll get better so I'm hoping. Uh, it came on the first day on March 20th this year. But sometimes it comes on March 21st, and it's even come on March 22nd. Well, your birthdays always come on the same day, don't they? You just told me yours a few minutes ago. What is it? April 21st. April 21st. Yours is Christmas Day. Yours is the end of January, but I don't know the date. You got a birthday coming soon? What? It just now passed. And you two have birthdays too, I'm sure. Okay. They always come on the same day. Christmas always comes on the 25th of December. Fourth of July always comes on the 4th of July. It doesn't make any difference if it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. But Easter, and Easter always comes on Sunday, but it's not always the same Sunday. Do you know how they figure out when Easter's going to be? Well, back in the year 325 A.D. That's a long time ago. It used to be they celebrated it on different days. It wasn't always Sunday. It was decided it should be celebrated on a Sunday because they knew that when Jesus rose from, from the dead, it was a Sunday. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the first day of spring. Now, Friday was the first day of spring, but there won't be a full moon until Saturday, April 4th. And so Sunday, April 5th, will be Easter. That's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the first day of spring. That full moon 
was important way back when Jesus was a boy. Jesus was raised in a Jewish home and celebrated the Jewish holidays. And one of their most important holidays was Passover. And Passover was always on the 14th day after a full moon in the seventh month. Now stop and think, this isn't the seventh month, is it, for us? But in the Jewish church, they have a different kind of calendar. It starts, the new year starts the end of September or sometimes the first of October. So their seventh month does come about the same time as our Easter. And then on the 14th day of that month, that's when they have Passover. But they do another funny thing. Their months only have 28 days. And our month of February has 28 days. And every four years, we have to stick an extra day in there to make them all come out even. Well, every few years, they have to stick in an extra month to make it come out even. So this year, it's working out that their Passover will start on Thursday night, the night we call Holy, Holy Thursday, when we celebrate communion here to remember the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And that's the beginning of their Passover. So they'll be celebrating Passover at the same time that we're celebrating Easter. But next year, and that's the year we have to stick that extra 29th day on February, that's the year they have to stick an extra month in. Next year, Easter is going to be, and I've written this down, let me make sure I tell you right. Easter is going to be March 27th for us. But their Passover is not going to be until April 23rd because they have to stick that extra month in there. It's all kind of mixed up. But we still have, are celebrating holidays and, and, and remembering Jesus. And that's why we have, we're celebrating when Jesus rose from the cross. <clears throat> when I was in high school and college, I had a lot of Jewish friends, and that's how I got to know some of this mixed up stuff. <laughs> and you might have somebody in your class at school who's Jewish, and, and you might hear them mention Passover or so try to, try to keep your mind open and learn a few, little bit more. I hope I haven't completely mixed you up and made you all think I'm crazy. But anyway, I do like history. It's okay. And uh, I'm going to give you each an, a an egg after we say our prayer. We think about eggs at Easter. Easter, it always comes in the spring, and spring is a time of new beginnings. And, and if you looked at the comics this morning in the paper, in the family circus, the grandmother said, God made the world, and, it, and it's only right that we should say a prayer of thanks to him for making this world. And that's what we're going to do now. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to live on earth and to teach us. Thank you also for spring. When flowers begin to bloom, the robins are back from Florida, trees will soon have new leaves, and the days will be getting longer and warmer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Y'all got all those days, right? Okay. Our first scripture lesson is uh, in Zechariah. It's uh, chapter 12, verses 10 through 11. It's on pages, page 1484 in your pew Bible. Mourning for the one they pierced. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they, they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and grieves bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be great, like the weeping of Hadad Ramon on the plain of Megiddo. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us bow our heads for prayer. Oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh covenant God, you've, you've shown your faithfulness to all generations by preserving the works of your mercy. And you delivered your chosen people from bondage and made with them a promise to be their God. And now you have made a new covenant with us. You're chosen in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we raise your holy name for all the world to worship. We're reminded that your promise of eternal life is delivered in the teaching of Jesus. He promised to draw us all to himself when he returned to you after the resurrection and to give us that new life. But we must confess this day that we love too much our lives here on earth. We know our transgressions and our sins are ever before us. We pray this day, O Lord, that you would create in us clean hearts and you would remember our sins no more. We're reminded that you have written your new covenant on our hearts and you've called us to tell the world about you. And so we pray this day that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd fill us with zeal for your good news that your voice may be heard in all the earth. We name before you now our friends and family members who need to see Jesus in these times of their trouble. We especially raise up this day a member of our choir, Tommy Simmons, and we praise you, O Lord, for your mercy given to him throughout his surgery. And we ask that you continued care to him as he remains in the hospital recovering. We know of many this day, O Lord, who suffer, whether it's from weakness of the flesh or the mind or the soul. We've added many to our prayer list, and there are many that are in our hearts that we name now. By your merciful power, O Lord, give them courage and strength to bear their burdens and help us to accept your good and perfect will so that we may all rise up and glorify your name. Receive our prayers this day, for we offer them in the name of Jesus Christ, our great priest, who taught us to pray, saying these words. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
Please be seated. From the Gospel of John, beginning at verse 19, I mean chapter 19, beginning at verse 28, hear these words. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the Scripture would be, filled, would be, would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, as we have journeyed with you, we have heard your words. And we come now to this word and we are once more overwhelmed with the agony that you must have felt. We pray, O oh Lord, to help us to see how greatly blessed we are to be redeemed people. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, last week, you know, the fourth statement <clears throat> from the cross we looked which we looked at was perhaps the most agonizing statement of all because I believe at that point in time Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world and that separated him from the Father and in that spiritual agony that, that feeling of for, forsakenness he cried out my God, my God why have you forsaken me and so Christ experienced that separation that forsakenness so that we don't have to anymore and so, and I mentioned last week that the, the words, I think, started to change, and you see a progression once this happened. And so the next word is about his thirst. I thirst. And it's such a simple and short statement. How many times have you said that yourself? I know I, I, I say it probably more than others being a diabetic, and I noticed this morning for some reason I'm especially thirsty. It's a common condition of the human body. Your body has to have so much water to function properly. You can go without food, but you can't go without water. And because what had happened to Jesus up to this point, uh, the beating, the torture, the hanging on the cross, and the heat of the day from noon to three, his body was dehydrated. And so we have him saying, after he felt the forsakenness, we have him say, I thirst. And I believe that this is recorded for many reasons for us, and I, I just want to point out a few of them. One, I believe, it was recorded for us so that we would know that Jesus did experience a physical humanity. It's important for us to know that when, when John was writing this gospel around AD 85, a heresy had arisen called Gnosticism. In this heresy, which is still pretty prevalent today, one of the beliefs is that spirit is good, but matter is evil. And from that, certain conclusions followed. One was that God, who is spirit, could not take upon himself a body because that would be matter, and matter was evil. And so this heresy taught that Jesus didn't really have a real body. 
And so they concluded and went on to argue that therefore Jesus didn't really suffer. That everything on the cross was experienced without any real pain. Now, when people think this way, they, they are really destroying, in my opinion, the essence of our faith. Because if Jesus could not have come in human form, he could not have redeemed humankind. He had to come in human form. He had to become human, just like us, so that we could become like him. And I believe that one of the reasons that this is recorded for us is for us to know, without a doubt, that the humanity and the suffering of Jesus was real. And the scripture, I believe, uh, points this out in other places besides just here. For example, when Christ began his ministry, you remember he went, uh, he, was, uh, he went into the desert, and there in the desert he experienced temptations from Satan, one of which was hunger. And Satan tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread. If he, hadn't, if he hadn't needed the sustenance that a human needs, that wouldn't have been a real temptation, would it? And then there's in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, I also often think about that. Before, the night that he was betrayed, you remember? He, he sweated tears of blood. As he asked the Father to, maybe it would be possible to take this cup away from, from him. And then there's the times that Jesus wept just over other people. He wept over Lazarus' death. He wept over Jerusalem because they had rejected him. Uh, I believe these tears of, were real of hurt and pain. And so I think that God wants us to know in this word from the cross that Jesus was suffering and his suffering was real. And he went through the suffering and his discomforts of the human body for you and me. I think that's the, probably the most important thing to think about with these words, I thirst. But the second thing, which, which might be just as important, if it may even be more important, is that when you feel forsaken, you have a thirst, a spiritual thirst. He, had, he felt the forsakenness of being separated from the Father, and that created a major spiritual thirst. Forsakenness always brings on a spiritual thirst. And this is important. This happens to us too as humans. Just like God made our human body to need so much water or liquid to function properly, He also made our spirit, our soul, in such a way that it must have a connection to God. And if we're separated from God, our soul, our spirit, has an emptiness. An emptiness. A thirst, if you will. And no matter what you do, nothing can take away that emptiness. I know that some of you probably had periods of that like that in your life before you got to the place you are today. I know I did. Those empty times, I tried filling with lots of different things. But I was still empty. It was not until I, it was filled with the, 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 the connection to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ that I ever got over that feeling of emptiness in my spirit. And I believe that this emptiness is felt by lots of people at different times in their life. The psalmist writes about these things. In Psalm 42, 
There's this beautiful passage that describes our human condition. As the deer pants for streams of water, so, so my soul pants for you, O God. When can I come and meet you, O God? You hear the hunger that the writer of that psalm had? His soul had a deep spiritual thirst for God that could only be quenched by fellowship with God. The other reason I believe that this was a spiritual thirst that day from caused by the forsakenness of having the sins laid upon Jesus is because of the story of the woman at the well. You remember the story of the woman at the well? And there she went in the heat of the day to get water because she was a scandalous woman. But Jesus was there and they exchanged some conversation and one of the things he talked about was water. And he said, this water that you drink, you'll still be thirsty at some other point in time because it can't quench your thirst. But whoever drinks the water I give you, you will never thirst. You see, I do believe that Jesus can provide for us the living water that fills our spiritual thirst. And I believe in all my heart that that moment on the cross when he said, I thirst, he was experiencing the same spiritual thirst that the woman at the well needed to hear about, that we all need to hear about. He experienced that for us, that spiritual thirst because of the forsakenness that he had experienced. It's important for us just to remember that just as Jesus would have probably had a physical thirst, there's no doubt that moment he had a spiritual thirst because of that forsakenness. It's also important for us to remember that Christ can give us that living water that will take away our thirst. Now the last, the third reason, the last reason I think that we were given these words for us to know and to study today in our time is because of something that John said when he was writing this gospel. Remember he's writing after the fact and so he wanted his readers to hear that, one, that when Jesus said this, it also fulfilled scripture. You remember, remember in verse 28 it said, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled? John wanted us to know that many scriptures were fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ, even including upon the cross. Uh, Psalm 22, for example, predicted the thirst of Christ. Uh, Psalm 69 predicted that they would give him vinegar to drink for the thirst. Both of these psalms have their full meaning in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I've often referred to Max Lucado in the book. There's a book called He Chose the Nails, and he talks about the fact that in Jesus' final moments, many prophecies were fulfilled. And, he, and, he, and, and Lucado writes that he feels like that's because there would still be questioning by people, and there needed to be no doubt. There needed to be no doubt. 
and that we could look back and see these things as a way to help us in our doubting times. And you know, if we're honest with ourselves, there's always times when we doubt, when we, when we wonder, where's God? Uh, is God asleep? Uh, do you all remember back in the 70s when I remember Time Magazine on the front cover it said, is God dead? Do you ever, any of y'all remember that? Some of the theologians at that time uh, were speculating because of the, it seemed as if evil was taking over everything and that God didn't seem to be present in the lives of people anymore. Is God dead? You know. So there's no doubt ever so often as people, individuals, and humanity in a whole, we start doubting, we start wondering, we start worrying. Have we been forgotten? Especially when we see the increase of evil. But the thing is about this simple word and so many other things that occurred that most holy week and afterwards, is that literally hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament were fulfilled in the life of Christ that should give us confidence that Jesus was the Son of God. Let me just give you a few. These prophecies were all written hundreds of years before the Messiah came. According to the Old Testament prophecies, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah was to be born to a virgin, was to be rejected by his own people, was to be betrayed by one of his followers, was to be tried and condemned, and, and was to be silent before his accusers. Go back and read some of the biblical accounts where when Jesus is arrested and when Jesus is beaten and flogged and brought before Pilate, he does not cry out for, his, for mercy. He doesn't, he doesn't cry out and, to his accusers. Christ fulfilled every one of these prophecies. According to other prophecies, the Messiah was to be struck, mocked, insulted, was to be died by crucifixion. They were to cast lots for his garments. If you go back and just and read some of these places where I've read to you the words, if you just read them more, you'll see all these other instances happening. One of the prophecies was that his bones would not be broken. You know, it was the Roman uh, custom to break their bones as they took them off the cross. They didn't break his bones. They stuck a spear in his side, which fulfilled another prophecy that you heard read in the first, uh, first uh, reading from the Old Testament. The life of Christ was fulfilled in many, many of these prophecies, too many for us to list today. So I believe, really, that's the third thing I want you to see, is that our Father in Heaven wanted us to know and made sure that John, when he was writing his book under inspiration and became part of our Bible, that he was indeed the Messiah, sent into the world to save us from our sins. And so even at the very end, I believe, Jesus witnessed at the cross and gave us one more evidence to say that He is the Christ. He didn't come down in a superhero body that wasn't possible to feel pain and suffering. Instead, He came into our world as a suffering, humble servant. 
to take on all the trials and temptations and eventually the sins of the world as he displayed on the cross his love for us. Jesus can give us a living water that will enable us to never say, I thirst spiritually again. I hope that through these series of sermons you will have got a new perspective on what our Lord has had to say to us in those last words uh, before he died. Remember, forsakenness, it always brings an unquenchable thirst. Thank God we don't have to feel the forsakenness from the Father because what Christ did for us. And so we stand at the foot of the cross and we know that the end draws near as we look at the last two words. Amen. Receive now the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty, Eternal, Triune God, one God, now and forever. Amen.